I never thought that I could do something like this. I thought that scientists, people with degrees did this sort of thing and that my individual actions didn't make a difference. But starting that petition has completely changed my perspective on that, obviously, because it really does show that anyone can make a difference. Across our menstruating lifetime, we use around 11,000 products. If those are all made out of, or partly made out of plastic, you can just see how much of a problem that is. Welcome to Wannabe Greener, where we dive that little bit deeper into what we can do as individuals to protect the planet. I'm your host, Harriet Robinson, and today we're talking about periods. Now, thankfully, this is something we're starting to talk about a little bit more. Half of the world have them, yet for many years, discussion around menstruation has been taboo. And because of that, we also don't talk about the huge amount of plastic waste it generates every month. Period products can take over 500 years to break down. And that's over seven times the average lifetime of the person using them, which is pretty mad. Ella Daesh is an award-winning period plastic campaigner who just a couple of years ago was a full-time postal worker. But she saw a problem and wanted to do something about it. Before the campaign started, there was no access to eco-friendly products in supermarkets. They're now available in most retail spaces, which is fantastic because that's giving customers true access to choice, which we really need. Ella's perseverance has led to some huge changes from getting big companies to drop plastic tampon applicators to persuading chain stores to offer more sustainable period alternatives. We talk about her journey from someone with a passion to becoming a full-time campaigner. One of the things is definitely to never give up. I, I never have. I've always been very persistent about everything. I've not I've not taken the excuses from big brands and I've kept pushing and I will continue to do that. Ella gives her tips and advice for someone wanting to take those next steps as an activist. We also discuss periods, of course, including the impact of the period products we use, what alternatives are out there and how they can be made more accessible. But first, I caught up with Ella just days after BBC Radio 4's Woman's Hour placed her at number six in their power list of influential women contributing to the health and sustainability of our planet. I was pretty ecstatic about that. I mean, when I got the message about it, I actually thought it was about somebody that I had nominated myself. And then when he said it was about me, I was like, what? So yeah, to be included on something like that with so many amazing women is just so special. It kind of shows how things are changing and developing, doesn't it? That there's so many people now that actually you know, making a difference. Yeah, it's great to have a spotlight shone, I think, on people doing stuff for the environment and even better with people in the UK because I think quite often we focus on the big names. So it was great to see a lot of different people being highlighted, like scientists and and lots of people from different backgrounds. It was great. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're talking today specifically about you and period plastic which is something that probably a couple of years ago I didn't think that I'd be doing an interview on. Um, <laughs> so for you, it's been a crazy couple of years. Mm-hmm. How 
how did your journey to kind of fight against period plastic begin? Because this isn't something you were necessarily thinking about every day a few years ago, was it? No, it definitely wasn't um, at all on my radar. I was actually a postal worker um, before I started this campaign. And that's the job I had when I was doing the majority of it for the first couple of, well, the first year. And I think, you know, while I was out on delivery, I, I sort of noticed how much we were throwing away. And that made me think about how much plastic waste I was using and and then my own consumption of it you know and how much we're throwing away on a national scale because I don't think we always think about either how much we're throwing away as a country let alone the whole globe or as an individual and I think it was that first light bulb moment for me that made me think about my own impact on the planet and I started to make switches you know like the stereotypical water bottle um to a reusable bottle and all that sort of stuff but then my period started and I'd never really thought about it before and I don't think we do really talk about periods that much and especially not what we use and what that contains Mm. and I did some on research and I found out that they can contain up to 90 percent plastic yeah, that's so much. And we had no idea. I mean, I had no idea about it until I started following people like you and City to Sea and kind of other charities, I suppose, or organisations that talk about it. Yeah, I just never considered it at all. And that's the thing, it's hidden in plain sight, isn't it? It's just like the tea bag. It's something that you don't even think about, but you use every day or every month. And it contains that much plastic and it's a shock to most people. I mean, when I speak to them about it, they, they're just completely surprised. It's not something that they've ever considered. You know, I think when we're at school, we are given certain products and then that starts a consumer cycle and it's a very brand led industry. And we keep going back and back to those products again and again, and we don't question it. We just keep, keep going with those ones there is very big brand loyalty with that area and and that sort of resistance to change if you don't know what other products are I mean I remember lots of people using certain brands and, and not others and it being a thing at school but yeah I think because we when we get given them from such a young age we don't question what adults are giving us do we yeah exactly especially if your parents you know, your mum hands something to you or, or buys a certain product, then you're not going to question what your mum's doing. And no, obviously not. she doesn't know about it either anyway. No, exactly. And I think the other, the other thing is that, you know, when these people are, are giving them to us, like you say, our, our parents or whoever, they're, they're doing it in good faith. They're not, they don't even know themselves. But when it's actually from the brands themselves that are giving out free samples, that is to get you on that consumer cycle to come back to them again and again. But after I realised about this and the products I've been using for so many years contain that amount of plastic, I was really horrified. Yeah, right. Um, I know. I was just like, what? Um, it just didn't make sense to me. So I went into my local supermarket to get an alternative 
but there was nothing there. There was no choice. It was either plastic or plastic. And that really frustrated me because without a choice, how can we truly make a decision as an individual about what we buy? Mm. We can't. Whatever is on the shelf is whatever the choice is. So I had to go online to switch to eco-friendly products and thought someone else would probably do something about it. And I kept going on in my job and everything. But with being a postal worker, you sort of like walking around, you've got time to think. And it gave me time to think about this. And I just kept going over it again and again in my head. And it just didn't make sense. You know, if small companies can make them without plastic, then so could the big brands. And two, if something we're using for a few hours is taking over 500 years to break down, that just doesn't make sense. So I knew that something needed to change, but I didn't really know what I could do as an individual about it. I thought, you know, I'm just supposed to work out what can I really do about this? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think especially as young women, we don't think that we have much power. Mm. But I knew that something had to change. And the success of other online campaigns like Amica George's Free Periods campaign and Laura Corriton's and Tampon Tax campaign really did compel me to take a stand and start one of my own. And that's how it all began. Cool. <laughs> so that was, what, about two years ago, a bit longer? Yeah, that was over two years now, ago now, um, in February 2018. Okay. So in that time, you've achieved quite a lot. I mean, and I think, well, we've got onto this, the fact that you're not even a postal worker anymore, I do believe. Um, But what have you managed to achieve then? Because I think it's pretty impressive to kind of just have the idea and then run with it. And you've managed to stop a few retailers from actually stocking some plastic products, right? Yeah. So as I mentioned, before the campaign started, there was no access to eco-friendly products in supermarkets Mm. they're now available in most retail spaces which is fantastic because that's giving customers true access to choice which we really need but even further from that we're now I mean one part of this whole problem is plastic applicators you know they're used for seconds but they take centuries to break down and three UK retailers have responded to the campaign by removing plastic applicators from their products. And they've actually classified them as an unnecessary use of plastic, which coming from a retailer is massive. Yeah. And those three doing that saves over 17 tonnes of plastic each year. That's incredible. So which which are the three? Yeah, so it's Sainsbury's, Audi and Superdrug. Amazing. Okay, so we know for sure if we go there we can get some more eco-friendly products, which is good. And you're still working on other ones as well. Yeah, I am. So throughout all of this, I mean, there's 14 decision makers on the campaign, which is quite a lot, but I've met now with 10, which is great. And I'm having ongoing conversations with them about what they can do. And some of them have also started to develop their own eco-friendly ranges as well, which is really good. So did you start kind of just on social media kind of shouting out retailers or were you just signing petitions how did you kind of get things going right at the start I wasn't 
well-versed in campaigning. You know, I wasn't, I didn't have any experience in all of this. I was just an individual that started a campaign and then had to roll with it, basically. And at the start, I did put a lot of pressure on supermarkets to start with through social media because social media has really changed campaigning and activism definitely it's made it so that so much more widespread you know you you really can spread a message even further and it has a global platform which is fantastic and all of the people on that were signing the petition were taking action as well and that really put pressure on the first few decision makers that we took action on which was Tesco and Sainsbury's and then their first steps were to make eco-friendly tampons and pads available in their supermarkets and it's since rolled a lot from there so for me I just kept kept going with them you know in the first year it was very difficult I think that because I'm I don't know maybe a young woman uh, someone that didn't have experience in this area that those big brands that I was contacting all the time thought that I would go away with their long emails and excuses Mm. but unfortunately for them I didn't and my persistence and also the campaigns gaining momentum and all of the people that took action with me it all paid off and it's led to them really coming to the table and having those conversations with me which is so important we need that transparency from from that level to really start these conversations and move forward yeah that's amazing you know these retailers are huge there's even just to be Mm. able to speak to somebody that has some kind of authority can be really difficult and I was interviewing somebody else the other day about campaigning and she said the thing is you just have to not give up you have to just almost be pushy you have to make your point and you have to not give up until you've got through to the person you want to speak to and still keep going and you have to have some quite a bit of resilience I think to be able to be that kind of person so it's quite impressive really um but do you think were people quite kind of uh open to talking to you or was it quite like that were you kind of emailing 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 being put through to another person yeah so it was a lot of emailing at the start constant I mean I'd go from one department to another and you know, I've been learning all the time through this. You know, at the start, I was going through customer service. Then you learn, actually, you should be going through to the actual, you know, head of the company, not them. So, mm-hmm. you know, you learn all the time. It was very difficult at the start, I think. But then I just kept thinking, this problem is bigger than all of this. It's massive. And I've just got to keep going. And that problem really did keep pushing me to keep that persistence up. Because at the end of the day, this problem is bigger than those manufacturers. It's bigger than those retailers. And we really need to have that change at source with them to stop the negative impacts downstream. And I just kept thinking about it. And I just couldn't give up because I thought, if I do give up, or if I just stop, then in 50 years, I'll be thinking, I should have kept going. Do you know what I mean? I that regret. I wanted to also hold them accountable. Because I think so often with companies, they like to put the blame onto the consumer to avoid ownership of the problem. But they've got the resources and money to bring about change. And that's exactly what needs to happen. Yeah. 
because then we're like I said before we're getting rid of all those negative impacts further downstream we're stopping that at the tap turning it off that's where it needs to happen with them and they need to take that responsibility yeah and they must care I mean there must be people in the company whether that's people who have periods or people who just care about you know about plastic pollution because I always think this like obviously we think the big company is really bad they don't care but there must be people that work within the company that do care it's such a you know plastic oh, is yeah. something we all yeah. know about there must be people within the company who think well I don't I don't want us to be selling this can't we do something about it there definitely are there definitely are and I think this is the thing you know often you you see a brand as just a brand and that's it mm. but you don't see the people behind it um and I mean it's not like they're small companies where you know you've got the founder and a couple of other people this is like thousands of people across the globe that, that work for these brands and companies and manufacturers and there are so many people behind them working behind the scenes and yeah like you said there are a lot of people that want change from from within that I speak to they're very passionate about it which is great because then it makes the conversation all that much easier and I think you know I really do think that we're going to start seeing that change happening from retailers first opposed to some of the manufacturers I think manufacturers will take longer to change Mm. which is frustrating because they're the ones with these big name brands really but it's great to see retailers taking the lead because it sets an example. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask, actually, you know, obviously eco-friendly products have been available for a, a while. I know I've bought some maybe for the last like three or four years, maybe, but from small, very small shops. So couldn't the answer just be, well, we just shouldn't shop at the, you know, at the big supermarkets, at the big pharmacies, and we should just go to a, you know, a small retailer and, and shop there. Why is that not just the answer? Yeah, so supporting local businesses is really important, but unfortunately it's not accessible to everybody. And this is something that's been highlighted recently, and I think it's it's a mixture of things. It's a mixture of opening hours, people's work life, also the affordability of it. And at the end of the day, supermarkets are where the majority of people shop. They're very accessible to people. And by having these eco-friendly products on the shelves is really a big statement. It's making it mainstream and it's also making it truly accessible to everyone. Mm, Okay, I get it. That makes sense. (laughs) Um, (laughs) How have you learned all this? I mean, you're a postal worker before, you were concerned about plastic and we all kind of maybe watch some documentaries or follow people on social media but you seem to have a lot of knowledge about period plastic so where did that come from yeah so like I said before I I wasn't a seasoned campaigner I I started out as a postal worker and my knowledge on this has grown over the time that I've been campaigning and being an activist I mean most of what I've learned has been through online research. It's been speaking to scientists. It's been a range of things. It's been talking to people on the streets. It's It's been so much, you know, this, this whole journey has been massive. And I'm so glad that I 
press that start a petition button because it really has changed my life in so many ways. And I'm still learning. I'm not a perfect activist. You learn from your mistakes. But I think one of the things is definitely to never give up. And that's, I I never have. I've always been very persistent um, about everything. I've not, I've not taken the excuses from big brands and I've kept pushing and I will continue to do that. But yeah, from an individual perspective, I think I never thought that I could do something like this. I thought that scientists, people with degrees did this sort of thing and that my individual actions didn't make a difference. But starting that petition has completely changed my perspective on that, obviously, because it really does show that anyone can make a difference. I don't really often stop to to think about what has happened because I'm so focused on continuing to hold uh, those manufacturers um, to making changes. But yeah, a lot has happened. And again, anyone can do something like this. You've just got to be passionate about something. You can see a problem and just act, raise your voice and just keep going because you, you don't have to have had five years campaigning experience to do it I I didn't have any of that when I when I started I was a poster worker and I grew grew with it basically um and yeah just kept learning still am (laughs) that's amazing do you know I was going to ask you some more period questions but we'll come back to those (laughs) because I think um you know love talking about it um a question I get a lot when I ask people what topic they like to hear they'd like to hear more of on the podcast is how to take that next step so um you know I suppose a lot of people listen that maybe have an Instagram blog or they sign petitions but you've made it to become I think a full-time activist environmentalist so I am (laughs) well first of all what does that consist of what does that mean to be a full-time uh, activist what what's your job role what do you do so my day-to-day is is I mean it's not as glamorous as you think it is it's not walking out on the streets and flailing um placards in the air and things like that <laughs> a lot of it is behind the scenes a lot of writing contacting people constant meetings a lot of that sort of thing um and a lot of reading and learning as well I mean I'm still not used to it I'm still getting used to it it's it's still not normal to me I've always had sort of like the nine to five job so this is very different because because I'm so passionate about it a lot of the time before well before the pandemic I was working like maybe 16 hours a day wow I literally wouldn't stop but that's that's why the impacts have happened and now I recognise that that's not healthy. So it's kind of like taking a step back and doing it in a better way for, for myself and the campaign. So for me, yeah, it's like I said, it's a lot about behind the scenes stuff. Also collaboration. Collaboration this year has been amazing. Getting Because I don't know if you've seen the giant tampon applicator. Yes. Yeah. So as well as all the sort of Uh, communication with different brands and manufacturers I'm also really keen on doing things that are creative because I think artwork and imagery is such an important part of activism and it really helps to communicate the issues that we're passionate about in a completely different way 
And it really does amplify the message. And as they say, a picture paints a thousand words. So yeah, I'm I'm really also love to bring my creative side into it. So when I kept seeing all these uh, plastic applicators on beaches, I thought, let's make something out of it. And I thought, let's make a giant plastic applicator. And again, I didn't think that that was going to be a summer project, but that happened. I think activism is being passionate, it's being persistent, and it's never giving up. And it can look completely different for so many different people. And it works in different ways. And I don't think that you can ever really plan, because so many things happen along the way that that take you by surprise. And yeah, it's it's been amazing. It's still amazing. Um, so many things are still happening. And yeah, I just still can't believe that I'm doing this. But I think anybody can become an activist if they've got something that is close to their heart that needs to change. Mm. Again, like between you and me, I, I don't get paid for all of my work. So it's it's not really sustainable at, at this point, um, which I'm still trying to um trying to sort out. Mm. <laughs> but um I'm in the, in a position where I can can be, which not everyone is. Mm. So if somebody has a, a great kind of eco idea but that's all they've got at the moment, where do you think they should start to kind of push it forward and and kind of similarly to you, maybe we're not all going to have as big an impact as as you have, but if somebody just wants to push their idea forward a little bit, where would you start? If someone has an eco idea or if they want to take more action on a topic that they care about, my first step would be to never give up. You know, sometimes there can be ups and downs, but Persistence and passion always pays off. And don't be afraid to ask questions and send emails, even if you don't think you'll get a response, because that's happened to me before. But you really will be surprised with who gets back to you and you don't lose anything by trying. Another thing I would say is definitely connect with like minded individuals, because it really is so important to have a support network you trust. It's really invaluable. And setting up regular chats with other activists and campaigners that share your interests as well. I think collaboration is a beautiful thing and Mm -hmm. bouncing ideas off of each other really is a great way of finding out more, whether it's the right thing to do or implementing other ideas. You know, you get so many different people's perspectives by doing that. And I think just go for it. Sure, you'll make mistakes along the way. We all do. But if you can see something that's wrong and that needs to change, raise your voice and do something about it. It's as simple as that. You can make a huge difference, whether that's starting a petition or signing one or being involved with campaign groups or making changes in your daily life. It all makes a difference. It all adds up. And you're taking those steps that are so important. That's some really good advice. Thanks. Hopefully we can breed a load of little mini activists now that are listening to this. (laughs) Okay. Yes, we need more, please. (laughs) Cool. Actually, before we get on to, I've got loads of period questions to ask you, but you did mention um, collaborations there. And I guess that in turn probably would include inspirations as well. Is there anybody that you have kind of met, whether that's online or elsewhere through your campaign and it's really inspired you or or even somebody that you've worked with that's actually really helped you to move forward? 
Yeah, so there's been so many people that I've been inspired by and it's really difficult to just pick a few. But I think that some of the people that I've met, for example, I've met some of the Surface Against Sewage team and they've always been so supportive with my work and so the Two Minute Beach Clean team and they've been absolutely amazing. But, I mean, they they just don't stop, you know. They never give up. And I think that Mm. when you meet people like that it just makes you want to do so much more and really does feed that that energy for to keep going when it comes to individuals though um there are I mean there are so many amazing people doing things and two of the activists that have really inspired me has been Amika George who successfully petitioned the UK government to provide free period products at schools mm-hmm. And then also Gina Martin, who made up skirting a criminal offence. You know, these are two women that have done, gone on to do amazing campaigns that have been successful. And I just find their get up and go, like, we're going to do this attitude, so empowering. Um, yeah. And yeah. another person, um, I don't know if you've heard of her, but Maya Rose Craig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that she's absolutely fantastic. I absolutely love her energy and her her passion you know she founded black to nature a charity that campaigns for equal access to nature and she's been campaigning from such a young age to make a difference for communities and nature and our environment and I just think she's she really is a credit and if we had more people doing things like her can you imagine mm. where we would be yeah She's amazing. I don't know if uh, it cut off a bit in your mic, but that was um, also known as Bird Girl. And yeah, I've been following her for a while. I can't believe she's like 18. It makes me feel like I've achieved nothing in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I think she's just so... um, I think a lot of the activists that we're seeing now are also really relatable too. You know, they're, they're just like everyone else, but they've got a passion and they're really driving it. And I, I absolutely love that. But there's so many people that do that on a, a day-to-day basis anyway. You know, there are volunteers. There are so many people that don't give up. And I'm really inspired by by their attitude and their passion um, for, for their causes. Mm. Uh, and it's great to meet so many people that are doing these incredible things. Mm. Yeah, I agree what you said. There's so many more relatable people now. I mean, it's amazing we have, you know, David Attenborough, for example, but really I have no nothing in common with that guy apart from, you know, mm-hmm. wanting to protect the environment and having all of these young people who are yeah. really passionate, who all look different, who have, um, you know, kind of different mm-hmm. opinions and different lifestyles. Hopefully it's like is the best way for us to actually be able to make some positive changes. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. Let's talk periods a little bit then. So we kind of went off on a bit of an activist thing there, which I'm really (laughs) happy about. (laughs) But, yeah, I just wanted to get some kind of facts, really. For example, general kind of plasticky period products. How long Mm. do we think they take to break down? Yeah, so period products can take over 500 years to break down. Wow. Okay. And that's over seven times the average lifetime of the person using them, which is pretty mad. It's a big problem. 
And if Jane Austen had used them, they would still be breaking down on Earth today. They'd still be somewhere on the planet who should use them. Oh, yeah, that's horrible. And do we know, I mean, in terms of individuals, do we know how much plastic each person uses? So if you think about it, I mean, these products are containing around, well, up to 90% plastic. And across our menstruating lifetime, we use around 11,000 products. If those are all made out of or partly made out of plastic, you can just see how much of a problem that is. Yeah, I mean, you don't really think about it, but if you saw all that piled up, just from your own mm. usage, that would be so shocking to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we talked about applicators earlier. And I know I've seen lots of beach cleans, especially from you posting them, finding applicators on beaches. And they're one of the most common items found, aren't they, at beach cleans? Yeah. So this is this is one of my favourite facts, actually, because I think it puts it into complete perspective. <laughs> I think when we talk about plastic pollution, we don't often discuss period products. We often talk about things like bags, bottles and straws. Yeah. But period products are the fifth most common item found polluting Europe's beaches. Wow. They're more common than straws or coffee cups. Really? Okay. Yeah. And that just goes to show how much of a global issue it is as well, because it's all over Europe. They're also in the top 20 most found on North American beaches as well. And they're ending up everywhere. I mean, this is beaches scattered across. Imagine where else they're ending up. I mean, there's also been research to show that crabs in the River Thames have been found with period pad plastics in their stomachs. That's how much of an impact it's having. I mean, they contribute to ocean plastic, but then over time, they're breaking down into smaller pieces, which are like microplastics and fibres. But then that poses a further threat to ecosystems because it's entering the food chain. So how is it getting there? How do we end up finding these things on beaches? In the UK, it's estimated that 50% of UK users wrongly flush these products down toilets Mm. which results in about 1.5 to 2 billion being flushed each year wow okay now when that happens they're entering the sewerage system and if they're not captured they end up in our rivers blow into the sea and wash up on beaches okay that's where most of it is coming from okay so obviously there's awesome people like you that are going to beaches and that picking them up and lots of retailers now are are banning um, plastic applicators from their products but what should we use as somebody that has a period what is the best thing to use I mean yeah is it still okay to use tampons but just not use the plastic applicators what would your opinion be yeah so the great thing is that there are so many different products that we can choose that avoid plastic So there are eco-friendly tampons and pads that perform just in the same way as mainstream products without the plastic. Mm -hmm. And then there are reusables, which are fantastic, like menstrual cups, cloth pads and period pants. And there are also things like tampon applicators, reusable ones. So what I would suggest is if there's somebody that really 
prefers a plastic applicator, try switching to a reusable one because you're using that again and again for about 10 to 12 years, which means that you're having less of an impact and and there's less waste. You know, it's a win-win for the planet and for you. Yeah, and it's che- all of these products are cheaper, aren't they? You're saving money, especially if you have something like a moon cup. You just buy it once and you don't have to buy another one for years. Yeah, yeah. So menstrual cups are a great choice for people. I mean, they retail around £20, which is a big cost to start with. But over time, because you can use them for 10 years, that's around 16 pence per period over that time, which... Okay is really affordable yeah I mean I think some people are just a bit kind of squeamish or is that the right word maybe it's not the right word but they're a bit grossed out by some of these um different products that you can get but is it just a case of just getting used to it yeah definitely it is I think because we've been using the same products for so long and the fact that we're not seeing this in period education at schools means that when you show someone a menstrual cup or period pants are like what's that and it's kind of yeah. the alien in the room so I think we need obviously we need more education at schools about these kind of products which I know people like city to see and the women's environmental network are doing which is fantastic but what I would really suggest that people do is if they're looking to try out a reusable is try it when you're at home. And I mean, right now is the perfect time for that. But it just means that you can get comfortable and confident with using it before you head out. Yeah, yeah. I've actually said to people before, um, try your moon cup in the shower because it's just a bit easier. And then you can just wander around for a bit. Interesting. Yeah, that's good. That's a good tip. Yeah, I think because we're so used to using things that we just throw away there's also that kind of shame and stigma attached with periods where you don't want to touch the blood so when you start using reusable products you become more in tune with your period Um, and I think that's actually quite liberating well it has been for me because it's it's been completely kind of like actually periods are totally normal Mm. and I think when we talk about these things the more normalized it all becomes which is really important, especially from that young age when we're getting given these products. One of my questions was going to be, why has it taken so long for period plastic to get in the spotlight? And maybe it is the taboo around periods. I mean, we've only recently started saying period products instead of sanitary products. Sanitary is like, yeah. that's, what does that even mean? It's a period. And if we can't even say yeah. the word, people yeah. are going to be ashamed of talking about it. Totally, yeah. And this is the thing, there are so many issues when it comes to periods. There there are so many things that are going on that need to change. Like you've got period poverty, you've got period plastic, you've got language, you've got the inclusivity of that language, everything. And I think the more that we talk about these things, the more normalised it becomes. Because when I first started out, I think that because you talk first about the environmental impacts of the products, It makes it easier to then talk about the period itself, which is really interesting. I think there's definitely that switch in behaviour now um, with discussing these, which is really important. But yeah, I'm really, really glad that this conversation is shifting Mm. because we really need to start those. You know, it has far reaching impacts when people start talking to each other. 
go tell even more individuals about these issues, about periods, talk more openly. And it just creates a flow of awareness and change. It really is powerful. Yeah. And I've heard guys talking about periods like pretty openly in the last year or so, just because I think, yeah, like you said, I think that taboo has kind of disappeared a little bit and we are actually talking about it a bit more. And if we're talking about retailers, I'm assuming that a lot of CEOs and managers at these big retailers are kind of cis men who don't talk about periods. So actually, finally, they're talking about it and that's what's going to make a difference is is kind of getting through to those people who've never even thought about the topic in their life before. Yeah, definitely. I remember when I was still working at Royal Mail, I I even had a member of staff who had found out about my petition come over to me and talk to me about menstrual cups. And this was like a white 60-year-old man and he was <laughs> oh. talking about menstrual cups and that's never happened before. So... Amazing. That was pretty um, impressive from from my perspective when it like it was only a few months into the campaign and I was like, damn, this is good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well done. Uh, Just briefly, you mentioned other plastic. Um, I'm sure it's not just period plastic you avoid. What about other plastic in your life? Do you have any kind of tips for easy swaps that we might not know about? Obviously, water bottles, that kind of thing. Is there (laughs) anything else that recently has kind of come to light? Yeah, I think, you know, I've, I've managed to make a lot of switches in my life. But again, I'm not perfect. There's still a lot more I can do as an individual. But me, the bathroom has been one area where I've made a lot of switches. You know, I think... It's something that we often overlook, but there is a lot of plastic in there that we can switch out for other things. So for things like um, a reusable razor and cloth makeup pads instead of disposable versions. And then other things like shampoo and conditioner bars as well, instead of the bottled kind, because another advantage of that is they're also natural as well. I mean, there's so many areas where you're just like, what, this has got plastic in it as well? And it's just, It's just crazy, isn't it? The more and more we have this conversation, the more we find out and the more we search and and discover things. But the tea bag thing as well for me was a shock. So I've switched to loose leaf tea. And if you buy it in bulk online, it's actually much more affordable. So that's what I do. Yeah, so the tea thing. Yesterday I went to the supermarket with my boyfriend and he went and picked out PG tips that said in massive letters, biodegradable on the front. I was like, oh, yes, thank you, you've done it. Because <laughs> he wanted to buy a, a different tea brand and I told him he wasn't allowed. So he, on his own, went and picked a different one. So that's that's, that's a good step, at least. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are your kind of next steps then? Obviously, you're, I assume, still in talks with a few more supermarkets. What yes. are your plans there? Yeah, so I'm... There's, there's a lot going on, but I mean, there's some of which I can't talk about, uh, but I'm going to continue putting pressure on those that aren't making changes, that keep using those excuses, that keep putting the blame on the consumer. They're going to be having more action taken on them. There's going to be a lot more noise surrounding that in the new year, which would be great for people to get involved with. Cool. Amazing. And are there any kind of good, I know we mentioned City to Sea and Surface Against Sewage, 
Are there any other kind of good organisations fighting plastic or period plastic that we should be kind of aware of or supporting? Yeah, I mean, there's so many groups that are doing great things. There's also um, the Plastic Soup Foundation, who are doing great work, and Plastic Pollution Coalition as well. But Two Minute Beach Cleaner are a great one to get involved with if you're ever doing local beach cleans as well. Uh, Yeah, so they just promote, literally, if you're at a beach, just spend two minutes cleaning and that will make a difference yeah literally a couple of minutes yeah yeah and I think that's so good you know it's just a a few minutes a day or a few minutes a week it's about doing it when you can definitely okay brilliant thank you so much uh we've covered so much stuff today where can we find out a bit more about you and support your kind of current and upcoming campaigns yeah so you can help support the campaign by signing the petition and getting involved with action on manufacturers and retailers at change.org forward slash plastic free periods. The more people that add their voice, the bigger the impact. But you can also find me on social media by searching for Ella Daesh or on my website, elladesh.com. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, no, you're welcome. Thank you. We've, yeah, it's been really interesting. We've kind of covered a bunch of topics and actually it's really nice to talk about something that doesn't get spoken about that much yes definitely yeah thank you so much for today it's been great huge thank you to the amazing ella daish it's just great to hear from somebody who you know has that idea and then just goes out and really does something about it so should we just quickly go over some of the points that were raised in some of Ella's tips as well so starting with the chat around periods she said that traditional period products can take over 500 years to break down each one is usually made up of about 90% plastic so every person that menstruates can use around 11,000 of these products in their lifetime. Period products are also the fifth most common item polluting Europe's beaches. But the good thing is thanks to Ella's campaigning there are loads of eco-friendly options out there now available in most supermarkets and pharmacies and small shops as well and there are loads of alternatives now so you've got kind of eco-friendly disposables and then reusable so reusable tampon applicators period pants reusable pads you've got menstrual cups as well so there's a huge choice out there so give them a go give it a little while because they do get a bit of getting used to Um, but yeah maybe give them a go and see how you get on in terms of activism I asked Ella for some of her tips because I know a lot of you kind of listen and you think well I want to take those next steps towards campaigning or taking activism further what do I do? How do I do that? So she talked about social media and how that's really great to get your message across to as many people as possible. And, you know, you can make it global that way as well. Just keep at it, she said. Persevere. Don't take any excuses. Do a little bit of research. So, you know, don't go to the customer services of a company. Go straight to the head office. Find out who is responsible and and who you need to speak to. Hold companies responsible for their actions, whether that's calling them out on social media, signing petitions, sending them emails, just making sure that they realise they're responsible for these problems. Connect with like-minded individuals, create a support network that you trust so you can collaborate and bounce ideas off each other and, you know, inspire each other as well. And she said, just go for it, raise your voice and do something about it. If there's something that you feel passionate about, sign or start a petition, get involved with a 
campaign group or even just make changes in your daily life because all of it will help to make a big difference. So once again, huge thank you to Ella Daesh. I've popped all of her details in the show notes for this episode, but you can find out more from her at elladaish.com and uh, the same on social media, actually, just Ella, D-A-I-S-A. Next week, I'm going to be speaking about how to inspire sustainability and others with the founder of Coaching for Cause, that's Manuel Bergman. In the meantime, you can find more from me on Instagram at wannabe.greener. Feel free to pop on there and say hi. Let me know which episode you're loving. And I would love, of course, if you could rate and review this podcast because that helps others in making the decision about whether to listen or not. So thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time. 